that is uh, through grace, uh, through you know faith in God's grace, not of works, those types of things, and still defending his apostleship from time to time as well. But we're going to be looking uh, at the final verses of this chapter. And in our past lesson, uh, we looked at the true intent of the law was the title of the message. And uh, we talked about the law. Now, we're, we're certainly not against the law. God has not done away with the law. Uh, the law has simply been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Um, the law, though, has no power to provide salvation. Uh, the law only condemns. And that's why we were talking about how it's uh, futile to try to uh, try to hold to some type of law to be saved because it cannot be done. It wasn't designed to do that. Uh, but on the positive side of the law, it does make us aware uh, of a lot of things. First of all, the law teaches us how God feels about things, and that's certainly something every believer should be aware of. Uh, but most of all, it makes uh, the lost person aware of their need for salvation. That's, that's what uh, the true intent of the law uh, really was all about. Uh, and so tonight we're going to finish up uh, chapter 3 and just uh, I'll take your attention to verse 25 uh, real quickly because this is where we find the title of our message, but after that the faith is come. And so we're going to be talking about some things uh, about once we're saved, um, some things that uh, we uh, uh, can experience and just some truths that we need to know to help us serve the Lord uh, a little bit better. So I'm going to ask if you will, if you're physically able to stand, uh, Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, beginning with verse 23, and we'll read on down to the end of the verse. And, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 says, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster uh, to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. And we learned that last week. Verse 25, But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Amen to that. And verse 26, For ye are all the children of God by what? Faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now verse 28, I'll explain a little bit better, but what verse 28 is talking about, because today we have to be careful about things, and uh, uh, there were certain privileges that were found in those relationships, and God is just simply saying he doesn't, there is no Christian privileges, he sees everybody the same. And then in verse 29, and if you be Christ, then uh, are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching and reading of the word of God tonight. Speak to our hearts in a way that you only can. Father, I thank you for these uh, folks that are here tonight and pray that you'll bless them. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray, amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. So we're going to see a few things, actually four things that happen after the faith has come. And uh, in the book of Galatians, Paul stresses several things. But one of the things that he stresses was the truth that a person can only be accepted by God through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, he constantly, we see that throughout this wonderful book. Uh, in other words, when somebody accepts Christ as their Savior, God, just as he did for Abraham, he credits that faith in Christ Jesus as righteousness. And that's really the gospel uh, right there, and really in a nutshell is what Christ does for us. 
Now, what we have to understand is, is this is not just simply making a mental decision about some historical claims, you know. There, there's a lot of people, you hear me say intellectual nod sometimes, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of people that just simply give a nod to, yes, there is a God. Yeah, I believe there could be a Jesus Christ, and, and, uh, but that's just kind of it. That's where it ends. There's nothing as far as the heart goes. Um, and so this is more than just making a mental nod towards God. It's a, it's a change of mind, by the way, which is really what repentance is all about. Um, it's, a, it's a change of mind, but it's also a change of heart. In the book of Acts, we find that it's repentance towards God, faith toward Jesus Christ. And really, that's what it's about. It's, again, about that inward man that we've talked about a few times in some of our other messages. And so one has to realize that justification... Now, remember, justification is just simply being saved from the penalty of sin, again, uh, through faith in the grace of God. So one uh, has to uh, realize that justification, being saved from the penalty of sin, comes by way of faith and not the law, not of works. And really, that's what we've been learning and talking about uh, throughout this book. And so that brings us to our title again, but after faith is come, but after faith is come. Uh, and so we're going to see four things uh, that take place. Can I get somebody to go back to the foyer and help these folks out? I think it's Hunter coming in. So, so uh, if I could get, well, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Miss Sharon, if you don't mind, go back. Just make sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. All right, so. So we're going to look at uh, uh, four things here uh, that happen, but after uh, faith has come. So number one, we have after faith has come, we see the true significance of the law. Uh, so let's look at verses 23 through 25. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And so we see a couple of things here that I think are very important, and we've already talked about these. But again, when the Paul, when, when the Paul, when the Bible uh, emphasizes and reemphasizes things, and it's for a point, and so we must reemphasize them as well. And so the law had, when it came to especially Judaism, um, those that were trying to keep the law, really what they were doing is they, the, the law really held them in custody, uh, in other words, like a prisoner, because the law revealed as we've seen over and over, that man was most certainly condemned by his sin. I mean, that's what the law proved. There was no doubt about that. Uh, and so it was uh, uh, somewhat silly to try to hold on to that law. And so that's what he's talking about there, that, that schoolmaster. So in this sense, the law was, and, and it's for those even today who, who want to look to it for salvation, it's really a prison. I mean, that's, that's what it really amounts to. And so the, the law... Again, it only holds us down. If we're, if we're looking to the law for salvation, all it's going to do is hold you down and prove that you're guilty. And so it was never meant for a means uh, of salvation. Now, again, we're not trying to do away with the law. Jesus didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. The law was necessary um, uh, for a time. And, and that word schoolmaster in this case, which means a guardian, uh, the law certainly shows what is moral. We need to know what's moral, right? I mean, we, didn't, we need to know that. We need to know what is right, right? We need to know what is good, right? We need to know what is bad, right? So, so the law is, is good in, in that sense. 
uh, the law points just like a good teacher would to the truth. And that's what we need. That's important. But once, but what Paul's saying here, though, is, but once somebody is saved through faith, there's no need for the law as a schoolmaster uh, in relationship to justification and being saved. That's what he's saying in verse 25. But after that faith has come, after you're saved, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. We, are no, we, need, we don't need the law uh, to point us uh, to being saved because we're saved. Once we're in Christ... We are accepted by God, and that was the purpose of the law. <laughs> and so that's what uh, Paul trying to stress here. So number one, after faith has come, we see the true significance of the law. Or we can even go back to our title last week, the true intent of the law. Number two, after faith has come, we see that we are children of God. So important. Look at verse 26 uh, and 27. It says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many uh, of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, when we honor Christ by accepting his offer of grace, God then honors us. And what I mean by that is it says there we put on Christ. I mean, that's amazing to me. I mean, it's an honor to put on Christ, amen. I mean, it should be an honor that Jesus Christ has forgiven us of our sin and come into our hearts, right? Uh, and so that should be exciting to us. That ought to push us to, to live uh, for him faithfully. And so when we honor Christ by accepting his offer of grace, he then honors us. We put on Christ. And again, that's amazing. I hope I never get over that. But this also paints uh, really what I'm just going to say a very ugly picture of those who still believe in conduct or gaining some type of standard for salvation. Um, you know, it, it might sound noble in some ways, you know, to live a righteous and pious life and, and you know, to look at somebody and say, there's a godly man, there's a godly woman. And, and I know what I consider to be godly men and godly women. I'm, I'm not making fun of that, but those godly men and women that I know uh, are not trusting their godliness to get them to heaven. They've trusted Christ to get them to heaven. And so, again, if we're depending on law, what we're doing is, is if one tries to adhere to the law or some type of, of religious activity, self-righteousness, whatever you want to plug in there, the problem with all that, and really the evil of all that is, that it takes Christ out of the salvation process. That's why we need to be you know, bold about these things because really it is a knock against our Lord and Savior because the focus is not what Christ has done but what the, the individual has done. You know? uh, funerals would be all about talking about how good this person was and, and how, you know, how they deserve to go to heaven instead of what Christ did for them on the cross of Calvary. Amen? Amen. And uh, so again, that's why it's so important that we understand that after faith is come, we see that we are children of God. Again, after faith has come. Amen to that. And so we see the mention there of baptism in verse 27. Just feel the need to make sure we don't misunderstand some things. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure if he's uh, alluding to the ordinance of, of baptism or not. It, it could be, but it's still not talking about uh, baptism for salvation, we believe in believer's baptism, amen. We, we get baptized after we're saved, and, and uh, I've taught and preached on that. We don't have to go into all that 
today, but, but I do believe that phrase, put on Christ, is key to understanding this. Uh, uh, again, public baptism of the believer identifies us as being in Christ. And, and so uh, you could say even, even clothed in Christ as we put on Christ. Uh, and really, that's the focus of the, the passage, particularly verse 27. It's just talking about being in Christ. Uh, so Christ, uh, no doubt, the Son of God and all those in him, those who have put on Christ, are counted as children of God. And so, so important to understand. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as received him to them, uh, this was those that believed on him through faith, uh, but as many received him to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen? And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. So number two, after faith has come, we see that we are the children of God. Amen? Isn't that exciting? Number three, after faith has come, we see that God has no favorites. Verse 28, notice what it says there again. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. Uh, for, ye all, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. You know, it's a shame that I have to explain some things here because of a lot of the insanity that's going on about gender identity. So I think it's important that we, again, I want you to understand that in the first century church that there were a lot of types. He's mentioning some types of relationships there. Uh, Jew, uh, Greek, which would be Gentile, bond or free, that's slave, master, those types of things. Then it says male and female. So these were types of relationships, and depending on who you were at that time, you had certain privileges or you didn't have certain privileges. And what uh, Paul is saying here is that although in that society in that day some had privileges, some didn't, what he's saying there is Christ, when it comes to Christian privileges, God, God doesn't see that. They're all the same in the eyes of God. Amen? And so that's what that's teaching. So I want to make sure that we understand that. So I often tell people that, that uh, I, I'm a Christian by choice uh, and a uh, Baptist and more than that, even an independent fundamental Baptist by conviction. I'm a Christian by choice and a Baptist by conviction. And so what I mean by that is I realize that there are saved folks, as we learned uh, uh, in Sunday school this morning, there are saved folks that are in the body of Christ that aren't necessarily Baptists, if you will. I, I believe that. I, I don't believe only Baptists uh, are saved, all right? I believe the good ones are. Just kidding. But I, I, I don't believe that, uh, uh, you know, you have to be a Baptist to be saved. Uh, we understand the importance of uh, certainly emphasizing the local New Testament church. I went through quite a bit this morning to try to make sure you understand that. Uh, as a matter of fact, much of what the New Testament epistles teach are really better understood in light of local New Testament churches. So I won't always emphasize that, all right? Um, uh, we, we have to remember that, though, with that said, God saves all people all over the world. And I'm glad that he does despite a denomination or or and I don't really consider us a denomination but but uh, even if uh, they belong if you will to a local New Testament church or not um, God still saves people um, now I believe to to properly serve and obey God uh, I believe that we should do that after one is saved they should be scripturally baptized the reason I say scripturally baptized is because I believe you need to be immersed uh, under the water if you will and after you are saved after you you're saved you're baptized and then you're added to 
a local New Testament church. I believe the book of Acts chapter 2 teaches us that. And once you join that church, you're to be discipled and you're to grow for the main purpose of seeing other folks saved. Amen. That's the work of the church. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't believe, I'm not talking about salvation, but I don't believe there's a biblical basis to claim that you belong to a, a church that is universal or invisible. In other words, there's some people that say, well, I don't go to a local New Testament church, but I am part of the church because I'm in the body of Christ. Well, right now, the church is a local New Testament church. And if you're, not, if you're not assembling in a local New Testament church, you're not being biblical in your walk with God. You might be saved, but you're not being biblical in your walk with God. Um, so uh, certainly you would not be in the will of God. I think the Bible would prove that. So the Bible does teach all believers are clothed. With that said, uh, the Bible does teach that all believers are clothed. They are in the body of Christ, as we explained. As far as salvation goes, they are included in the future bride of Christ uh, someday. But for now, it's local New Testament churches. So I, I do want to kind of take a look at this, though, on the local New Testament church level as well. And so the reason I think this is important, and you guys know how I feel about the importance of the local New Testament church. It breaks my heart uh, that, that the local New Testament church isn't seen as it should be. And I think there's a lot of Christians that are going to have some splaining to do when they stand before God someday on how they treated the church. But when you see, when you see a, a brother or sister in Christ, and I'm talking about the local New Testament church, when you see a brother or sister in Christ, it, it's not that you just see them but we see Christ covering them. We see Christ loving them. Amen? And this is so important to understand, and it could really help us to understand the significance of the local New Testament church and uh, experience the great blessings of the local New Testament church. And as we saw there, God has no favorites in verse 28. Uh, God doesn't see the way that some others see. You know, we sing that wonderful uh, Sunday school song or uh, children's song, red, yellow, brown, black, or white, they are precious in his sight. I don't know if I said them in the order right. But uh, uh, certainly they are precious because they are clothed in the Savior, the very same Savior who clothes you, uh, who, who saved your soul as well. And we can rejoice in that. There may be differences amongst believers. There's differences amongst even fellow church members. Uh, there's all types of things, uh, you know, our race, our economic, social background, all those things may be different, cultures might be different, those types of things. There have some that have been much in the world, there are some that have not been much in the world, but praise the Lord, they are all in Christ, and so are you. And that's something that ought to excite us, and so God help us all to love one another Again, as fellow brothers uh, and sisters should, after faith has come, we see that God has no favorites, and neither should we. Amen? Psalm 119.63 says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee. Amen. And of them that keep thy precepts. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful thought that is. After faith has come, we see that God has no favorites. Um, uh, so, uh, after faith has come, we see the uh, true significance of the law. We see that we are the true children of God. And number three, we see God has no favors. Number four, after faith has come, we see we are the recipient, recipients of a promise. We see there the mention of Abraham. And if ye be 
Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God had promised Abraham that all the nations of the earth, all the people of the earth would be blessed through that promise, and certainly that is true. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, confusion. Uh, I'm not really sure why, but, but there, there has a lot of different belief systems that have morphed out of some terrible teaching uh, as, to one, as to when one gets saved. I believe the Bible makes it very clear. Um, and, and there's a lot of different beliefs there. There are some out there that believe you can lose your salvation. Um, and if you believe you can lose your salvation, then you have to believe that true salvation is not obtained until after you die. You have to believe that. If you believe that you can lose your salvation, then you have to believe that true salvation will never be obtained until after you die. And that is something you do not find in the Bible. Amen? And besides that, what a terrible way to live. Wouldn't you hate to live that way? Knowing if you believe that way, hey, I could lose my salvation. Hey, I'm not going to know if I make heaven my home until I pass over. I hope I open my eyes in heaven, but I might open my eyes in hell. Woo, what a terrible way to live. You know, hey, listen, if you can't trust God to get you to heaven, how can you trust him here on this earth? Amen? Hey, listen. It's a dangerous thing. I don't see how anybody can live for the Lord if they, if they feel that way. Besides that, the Bible teaches, amen, differently. It certainly doesn't teach that. And we see some wonderful words here in this verse 29. Notice that word heir. I think that's a key word. I mean, we all know what that means probably. And, and we see it tied in with God's promise to Abraham. We know Abraham was justified by what? Faith. By believing. Before there ever was the law, he was justified by faith. And all those in Christ are heirs of the promise given to Abraham. Would anybody argue where Abraham is right now? Where's Abraham right now? He's in heaven. That's, that's guaranteed, isn't it? The Bible tells us that he is. Even Jesus tells a story. I don't think it's a parable. I think it's a true story. So we know the Bible tells us that, that Abraham is in heaven. In verse 29, if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's, uh, that's pretty cut and dry, isn't it? That's case closed. Abraham is in heaven, and through faith we inherit eternal salvation. Again, from this side of eternity. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. And I believe uh, not just verse 29 of Galatians chapter 3, but many other verses make this so very clear. Just as sure as Abraham is in heaven, if you're saved tonight, you'll be in heaven. Amen. 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 I'll tell you what, that ought to excite us tonight. And so I'm done for tonight, but here's what I might challenge you with. Are you troubled tonight? Are you weary? Are you heavy-hearted? You know, sometimes we go through those uh, seasons in life. Um, it's not unusual, nothing to feel bad about. Um, but we don't want to stay there, amen? Um, I would ask you this, has faith come? Has faith come? We go back to our verse, but after that faith has come. You see, for that, for that verse to apply to you, you first got to be saved. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Are you saved? Boy, if you're not saved tonight, I, man, I couldn't think of a better time than now, amen. What does the Bible say? Now is the time of salvation. 
But if you are saved, then remember, but after faith has come, we certainly hope that we understand the true significance of the law, that we're saved through faith in Christ. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are the true children of God. We know tonight that if we're saved, God has no favorites. And we also see that we are recipients of a promise that is that guarantee of heaven uh, tonight. And I don't know about you, <clears throat> but there is nothing in this world that can take that joy from me. Amen. I'm a child of the king, amen. And I don't say that being all smart-elically and proud, but I'm a child of the king. Amen. Happy. Praise the Lord. Doesn't mean that I don't get down in the mouth like everybody else. Doesn't mean that I don't know what tomorrow brings. I might get the terriblest news I've ever got in my life tomorrow, but all I know is this, uh, a thousand years from now, a million years from now, I'll still be a child of the king. Hallelujah! Amen! Praise the Lord. All right, well, let's stand and have a word of prayer. Brother Brad will be praying some things, and, or I'm sorry, playing some things, and uh, having a terrible time talking today for some reason. Uh, but uh, you come and do business with uh, the Lord tonight. May you just